Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. How many of you here today have ever wished you had a little bit more time to do the important things in life? Can I see a hand in the air? Ever wish? Yeah, a little bit more time. We can make more money, but it's hard to make more time. And to think about all the things that we have to do, I'm sure that you've wondered and wished that you could find more time for kids, for family, for memories, hit the mountains, do the fun things, create memories with the kids. But what? You got to take care of the house. You got to take care of the dog. Got to take care of the job, got to do the dishes, got to do the laundry, got to do life. And oh, yeah, you have kids. And time is our most precious commodity. So the decisions that we make are huge. How it affects our time is huge. So in this series, we're talking about decisions that affect, of course, time, but more than time. So I want you to grab your communication card and get ready to take a few notes today. A couple of weeks ago, exciting day for me and for Becky. We celebrated 23 years of marriage bliss, our wedding anniversary. Give it up for Becky, putting up with me for so long. So I've known Becky for 33 years. We've been married for 23 years. Got three amazing kiddos. And I respect Becky so much. She is an above and beyond woman. Just so much respect for her on so many levels. One of the things that she pulled off that was so impressive to me is Becky decided to go back and finish her undergrad degree after we had kids. So my advice to anybody who's in school, school first, then all the other little humans after, after that. So I graduated from the University of Oklahoma. I'm a little bit older than Becky before she had a chance to. We go into ministry. We go into life. We're just doing it. We have all three of our kids. Becky feels like she wants to go back and finish. So we have to have a discussion on how that's going to work. And so Becky decides, man, I want to go back. And we counted the cost. We figured out, you know what, we can do it. Let's figure out a way to pay for it. I want your dreams to happen, and I want you to be able to do what you want to do. And so we decided to lean into this together. But let me tell you, Becky, going back to university with three young kids, like under five years old, that's a lot of diapers. We had, during that period of time, it was kind of a crazy season. You know, it is three kids in diapers at that time. It was... Cheerios explosion, toys explosion, poo explosions, all the noise, all the crying, and that was just from me. Then you mix in all the kids stuff, and there was a lot going on, okay? So Becky, she decides to go back to school, and she's working, 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 and I'm trying to help as much as I can. Kids are surviving, and we're getting through it, and I'm telling you, when we were there, all of us all the kids, us, our family, to see Becky walk across the stage. It feels different when you're working through it with kids. Now, if you're here and you just finished like an executive MBA, I know that there are two people here that have just done that. You've done like PhD, you've done graduate work, you've done all of this while you've had a job, while you're taking care of kids, while you're doing all the same things that you were doing, it hits different, doesn't it? It's like, man, this is tough. So can we give Becky and everybody else who have made a decision to get education post-kids all that hard work, man, all that dedication. 
You're choosing something that is important, but it's not easy, right? So grab your communication card and write this down. We're going to talk about this today. We're going to be inspired by my wife, Becky, and learn a powerful lesson out of the Bible today. Write this down. I choose the important over the urgent. I choose the important over the urgent. Now listen, let's think about these two things, students in the house. Think about these two things. How many of you have ever been a customer, but you've been upset? You've had something happen, and it's like, that was no good. Can I see a hand? You've been an upset customer before? I have? Yeah. Okay, think about the other side of that. Let's say that you own a business, right? And you're serving customers. And let's say you have a customer that is very, very upset. The order is wrong. The thing was messed up. And they're upset. So that's an urgent thing, right? You're a business owner. This is a very urgent issue, right? Students in the house, you got an upset customer. You're going to make sure the customer is satisfied. They're going to come back, say good things about your business. So that's an urgent thing. But something that might be important to think about is not just resolving this with the customer, but making sure we have systems in place that keep other customers from becoming upset. So there's a difference between just urgent and important. Think about it like this. Maybe you've got a car, and you've got a problem with the car. You've got engine problems. This is an urgent problem, yes? Have you ever been broken down on the side of the road? It's urgent. It's annoying. It's a pain. You've got engine problems. That's urgent. You've got to do something about it now. So that's an urgent issue. Now, if you're the kind of person who hasn't changed the oil in 27,000 miles. You've got an important thing going on in your life, okay? An important issue that you've got to get resolved and some decisions that you need to make to make sure this doesn't happen again. There's a difference between urgent and important. And I want us to think about that today. What is urgent? What is important in your life? So write this down. It's a little thought. If we can learn how to invest in what's important. We will spend less on what is urgent. So put yourself in Becky's shoes. She decided to go back to school with three kids under five. She decided to choose the important over the urgent. When you have young kids, everything is urgent. I need sippy cup now. I need food now. I need attention now. Everything is urgent. And level 10 loudness all the time. Everything's urgent. So Becky made a decision back in the day to choose the important over the urgent. So what does she do? She repositions some things in her life. So if you're going to choose important, sometimes you have to reposition urgent. And there are some things in your life that maybe seem super urgent in your present situation for example, maybe you spend a lot of time on laundry. And we seem to talk a lot about towels here in Go Church. It's a point in my heart. You have to reposition a few things. So like me and Becky, we had to reposition some kid stuff. Becky needed to recruit some help. I was a volunteer. My family helped volunteer. There were some other people in our life that helped volunteer. We paid for some people to help. We figured out some options for kids and for ministry and other things that we were doing. And we also repositioned the importance of certain stuff. Becky likes a very, very clean house, a very orderly system, okay? 
But when you're choosing the important, sometimes you have to reposition and bring down on the importance level things like towel management. So maybe instead of like, we have to put our towels up, you gotta fold it where you don't show edges, and you have to put it right in the middle, and then like auxiliary cute towel, auxiliary cute towel with like the initials or whatever on them. You don't have to put all the towels like it's a photo shoot every week. Maybe you just, boom, here's the stack where we put the towels. That's all we do, stack. During school, stack. During school, maybe use same towel for more than once. You gotta make decisions. You gotta let things slide that might not be that important, but that could be getting in the way of the things that really are. So today, I want us to be thinking about this. I choose the important over the urgent. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have siblings? Can I see a hand of you? Okay. If you are the smartest of your siblings, leave your hand up. Definitely, yes, definitely. I could tell. We got a smart crowd today. Hopefully they're not here with you. Actually, I do hope they're here with you and they're watching right now. So siblings, I have a sister, her name's Kaylee. She's two years younger than me and great sister. So raising three kids, you know, you have a dynamic, especially raising twin boys. So I've got twin boys that are 16. I started to bring a few little old pictures here. So this was like doctor's office. This is sports. This is just fighting. And this is life. Yeah, this is snow shoveling for church when we were back in the school, getting there early, let me tell you. So a couple of things I've learned about siblings, Ethan and Levi. You know, there was fighting going on. The boys know how to go up to the line but not cross the line. You know, sometimes with sibling fights, it can get a little crazy, right? House can get destroyed. So they've learned how to go up to the line, not cross the line. They have also learned, of course, how to fuss and fight. But more importantly than that, they've learned how to work together. There's something about twins where it's not just one plus one equals two. There's some kind of exponential jump. And it can work for good or for bad. They can be exponentially better at school if they push each other. They can be exponentially like dirty, make a mess at home. It's not just like two kids make a mess. Somehow there's like eight kids down there making this mess. So they have learned how to pull together. And when they were young, kind of about this basketball age, they figured out, well, the more sports we play together, we usually win more. So they always want to be on the same team. They play together well. And so they started calling this brother power. It's brother power. I carried it into high school, football, wrestling, swimming, brother power. So I've always been trying to teach them, you know, watch out for each other, stick up for each other. And it's worked well until me as a dad wants to find out information about the other brother and use this brother to find out this information. So there have been some times when, for example, I have had Ethan, and it is felt, this is what it's felt like. It's felt like I've had Ethan in this chair, like interrogation light on him, heat lamp on him. And I have got him like in this moment, and I'm like, did your brother do it? And it's like military. Did he do it? Ethan's like, my name is Ethan Calloway. I'm a twin. I will not break. I know you know. I'm like waterboarding him with chocolate milk. Tell me, does he know? I will not break. And he won't. 
And there's a part of me that loves it. It's like, I raised you right. Brother first, man. But siblings, there's something about the sibling dynamic that is cool in life. And I'm so glad that they have grown up with Sydney and grown up together and they have a little bit of this sibling dynamic. I want you to channel all of you here today who have siblings to channel this sibling dynamic. Like if you've ever been told on or if they're the baby or if you're the youngest one, you're the baby, but you don't think you're the baby, you're the baby. If you're that first awesome child who like followed all the rules, did all the things right, or you're the nutso second child who just went, like the third child, mom and dad are just tired, they don't even try anymore, do whatever you want. Channel the sibling feeling as we look into this story today about choosing the important over the urgent. This is Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha, everybody say Martha. Martha, you're going to identify today probably with Martha or Mary. I want you to think about which one you're closer to in personality. Named Martha, welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Can you already start to see what's important? And what's urgent. So I'm reading through the story, man, and I'm thinking about different people in my life. I'm thinking about myself. Do I identify more as Martha or Mary? I know for sure that my mom, Kay Calloway, identifies more as Martha. I know this because my mom is very social. My mom always loved to have people over. And if people were coming over, there was like this mom alarm that she sounded in the house. Eh, eh. And, and people coming over, move to your stations, code red, vacuums out, my dad has been recruited, there's dusting happening, there's arranging happening, there's trash being taken out, the bathroom, always key, making sure all the little towels are folded just right, and the lotion, the soap, and all that stuff is all good to go, and it is panic, it is pure panic before people come over, Right? Got to get it ready. Got to get it perfect. Got to move fast. Shove everything in the master bedroom if you need to. It's got to look like a picture-perfect, relaxed thing. This is Martha. She's worried about Jesus coming over to the house. So it's one thing to feel like, you know, normal people are coming over to your house. But imagine if Jesus was coming over to your house. She knows Jesus. She knows there is something different about him. This is Son of God. This is this is Jesus, man, and Jesus is coming over to the house. So she's trying to get everything just right, trying to plan the meal. Maybe she's had a time before where it was like it didn't go well, there wasn't enough food. She's trying to get everything just right. I can just imagine her sounding the alarm, make sure we have enough food. Last time Jesus had to multiply pizzas, it's not going to happen again. We're going to get everything together. And then some of you identify more with Mary. I think it's probably more me. Becky is like house, 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 people coming over, house, 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 house. I'm like, people coming over. I don't really care about the house. I don't really care that much. 
That was my dad. He didn't really care that much about the house. He cared about the people coming over. Mom was flipping out about everything. Mary was spending time with Jesus. She was at his feet. She was listening to what he was saying. And it was a sibling fight, really. It's like a sibling tension. Like an undercurrent, you know, like you're frustrated with your sibling, but you don't know what to do. Well, Martha decides she's going to tattle. She's going she's gonna to tell on her sister. And I'm just curious today, how many of you, you identify more with Martha? Can I see a hand? You're more of a Martha person? Yeah. What about the rest of you? Does anybody identify with Mary? You're just more focused about the party, people coming over. See, the hard part is when Mary and Martha's are married. That's when you can get the tension in the house. So channel all of this, and let's finish the story. So this is verse 40. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair? How sibling does this sound? This is not fair. Doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Probably hard for Martha to hear. Probably the opposite of what she thought Jesus was going to say. In her mind, she's going to go tell, and Jesus, being the truth teacher, was going to tell Mary to get up and go do some work with her sister. So he says this. I think it probably surprised Martha. Maybe she started to think about that as she was going back into the house. I've been thinking about this. I think in that moment, Jesus was saying, you know, Martha, the kitchen's going to always be there. It'll be there. Like the dishes will be there. The laundry will be there. The chores will be there. The stuff of life will always be there. But I won't be. Jesus was making a point about this. And I felt challenged and convicted a little bit by this. And I'm just going to pass this on to you guys today. Could it be that we have been allowing too many urgent things to get in the way of important things? Maybe you've been so consumed about providing for your kids, which is important, providing for your kids, providing for your kids, providing for your family, that you haven't spent very much time with them. You know, you're really worried about providing for a spouse or providing for a future that you don't spend that much time with the actual person. You're busy trying to make sure all the stuff happens so we can have all the things and, and do all the things. So I've been thinking about, man, what about me? Am I more busy with the work of God than I am about being with the Lord? Am I more concerned about the work of God than I am at being in the presence of the Lord? Which one is easier for me to jump into? I want you to think about your own life in this way. Which one is easier for you to jump into? I want to give you three practical ideas to help you choose the important over the urgent. 
Here's the first one. Write it down. We're going to pick people first. People over stuff. Relationships before tasks. The only thing that you can take with you, you've been thinking about this, if you think way down the road, if you're a long-term thinker, maybe you're in the financial investment game, but you really slant everything towards the long-term. If you're a long-term person, now I want you to think beyond long-term. I want you to think post your existence here on Earth long-term. On and on. The only thing that we can take with us up there, up to heaven, is people. That's it. I, I can't take these clothes. I can't take this Apple Watch. I can't take cars. I can't take things. Like I want my family and my kids to be blessed. I want to pass something down to them. But I can't take stuff with me. Like As much as I kind of hoped and wished that I could take my golf clubs to heaven, I think somehow there's going to be like the ultimate golf fitter in heaven that you can't even get bogeys. It's only just like par or better. And, you know, you drive it like 800 yards. It's just amazing is how I, but I can't take them with me. The only thing that we can take with us is people, is names, is relationships. That's it. Like, that's it. So how much of our life do we orient around the eternal? How much of our life, how much of our time, how much of our stress do we spend stressing and worrying and working for things that ultimately don't last? And how much do we put into the things that are eternal, the people that you're sitting next to? They're eternal. You ever think about it like that? They're eternal. Their bodies will die. Three weeks ago, Becky's mother, she passed away, and she chose to be cremated and they sent her remains to our house. And I saw the USPS person at the door. She rang the doorbell, and I walked out, and she was like, normally we have to sign for this, but it doesn't show, here, just, here you go. Like, it's just like a package. And so I take the package, it says like remains, and it was so weird. Her mom, Catherine, was about six pounds of ashes in our house right now. That puts it in perspective real quick how we can be reduced down to about six, seven, eight pounds of dust. We can't take stuff with us. We can only take people. So I want us to begin thinking about the people in our life. Take your communication card. There's some blanks on here. And I want you to write down... Just pick three or four top people in your life. Now, just take one blank. All of your kids go on one blank. You can put them on one blank. Just You can start with your favorite. It's fine. And just go ahead and put them all in there. And I want you to think about the people in your life. Like, I'm not going to just push through this. I literally want you to write some names down. I want you to think about this. Who are they? Who are they? I hope it's a spouse if you're married. Maybe if you're not married, maybe it's a part of your family, or maybe it's a dear friend. Maybe it's somebody that means a lot to you. You're not officially related to them, but they're like family to you. You know, friends sometimes are the family you choose. Who are the top three people? And then if I were to ask you the question, where do these people show up on your calendar? Where are they? Where would they be? 
they'd be like, oh, well, like I see them every day, or you know, we, we cross paths you know, every week. It's, it's not a big deal. We see each other. But how often do we really connect? Just because we're in the same space doesn't mean that we really know each other. So I want to encourage you this week, starting today, take these names that you've written down and create a moment to connect with them. Now, it doesn't have to be fancy. It's not like you have to go on some trip or some long road trip. Maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's a kid in your house and you say, you know what, this Saturday, just you and I, we're just going to go to breakfast. We're going to do pancakes. We're just going to have a moment. Or maybe it's your spouse. And if you really look at it, when's the last time we had a real date? Figure it out. Go on a real date. Connect. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe they call you way more than you call them. Maybe it's the opposite. And you wish it were different, but it's not. But they're still important to you. Create a moment. It could be a meal. It could be a thing. It could be a drive. I know for me and my daughter, Sydney, something that I will do with her is I will take little convertible drives with her. So Becky and I will get into the car, or Sydney and I will get in the car, and I'll take the top down, and we'll go to the wildlife refuge by our house. Also part of the deal is I drive her through Starbucks, and she gets a birthday cake pop. So this is part of the package. You know, the drive is good, but if the drive doesn't have the cake pop, it is less good, let me tell you. So we will go get the cake pop, go drive through the arsenal, see all the buffalo, see all the stuff, stop, see the deer, and it's good and it's fun. We connect, and she talks nonstop. Just talking and talking and talking and talking, and it's just funny to see what she's going to talk about. And the cake pop is demolished in about two seconds, but it's worth it. You know, just create a little moment like that with a friend, a neighbor, a colleague, somebody that's important to you and say, where does this person show up in my calendar? Make it happen. Make it happen. Be like, oh, man, I've got to do that. I've got to do it for, like, everybody in my life. Look, what you can't do for everybody, do for somebody. Number two, you write this down. Create fake deadlines. This is something I've done for a long time. How many of you here, you would consider yourself to be a procrastinator? Can I see a hand in the air? That's why it took you so long. You were like, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was an unplanned procrastination joke. I am not a procrastinator. I don't like waiting to the last minute. I don't like it. Some people are just really good at it. I call them just, instead of procrastinators, I just say, you are an, an efficient producer. You can crank, man. When it's right down to the wire, you get so efficient, so powerful, you can make it happen. Slide it right in under the wire. Efficient is what you are. I don't like that. So I never did an all-nighter in college. Never did. I always tried to plan out my studying time. I would do a little bit each day. I would never just wait and cram it all in the night before. I don't do that now, like with my message, I try to have everything done by Friday. I want to have some days for it to just ruminate and practice and think about it, internalize it. When is it actually due? You know, it's actually due probably about 9.30 on Sunday. I could make changes. I could upload things. We could get it ready. You probably wouldn't know. But I like to have it done on Friday. So for me, I will set fake deadlines just because it helps me get things done, and it helps lower my stress level. 
So in your practical everyday life, maybe you set some fake deadlines for work stuff. Maybe make it a little earlier than it actually is. Maybe workout stuff, exercise stuff. Set some fake deadlines. Set some things that just helps you become a little more organized and find a little extra motivation to get it done. Maybe instead of just waiting till the weekend, like to crush laundry, I keep coming back to laundry. I'll tell you why I keep coming back to laundry, because this is why. So in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Adam and Eve. And what were Adam and Eve? Naked, right? Okay, naked. Not ashamed. Wasn't weird. It's weird now, but wasn't weird then. They sin. They realize that they are naked, and it's weird. God comes, makes clothes out of animal skin. This is proof that laundry is a part of the fall of man. (laughs) Laundry is proof. That sin exists in the world. (laughs) Laundry. Maybe you don't wait to the weekend. Maybe you say, you know what? We're crushing the towels by Thursday. We're going to set a fake deadline. Just create some ways to get some traction in your life. Maybe for you it's time blocking. It's doing your schedule a little bit different. I want to encourage you to look at this. So like kids, students in the house, don't wait to the last minute. As you're going through summertime, getting back into fall, maybe tweak your schedule a little bit to where your stress levels are reducing. The third thing, write this down. Do first what matters most. I think the main takeaway from this story with Jesus and Mary and Martha is this. Time with Jesus matters. I think that's the bottom line of this story. Jesus is the priority. Time. It is the most valuable currency that we have. So how do we spend it? What do we spend it on? Our time and how we spend it is a reflection of our priorities, much like our finances is a reflection of our heart. What we spend money on are the things that we prioritize and think are important in our life. Same way with time. Do first what matters most. Now, this is convicting and challenging for me. I am more comfortable. I've always been this way. I'm, I'm more comfortable working than I am, like, thinking. I'm more comfortable doing than I am contemplating. I want to be, I'm an action-oriented person. So I very rarely am going to be meditating about something, just still. I can do it, but it takes a lot of discipline. I'm naturally more like, let's go do it. Let's go get after it. You know, our our church name is reflective of my temperament. It's go church. It's not like ponder church. You know, it's just contemplate church. I'm more of a goer and a doer. And sometimes that's good, but sometimes I think on an average it's, it's not good with my relationship with God, because I want to get up and start doing. It's hard to get up and be like, all right, moments with God more important than anything else. I want to get up and check the things, check the news, check Facebook, see what's happened, get ready for the day, God forbid, check email, and you just start, just start. So I'm reminding myself this week, and I challenge you to do this, just set adults, students, just set your alarm. In, in fact, students, it's summertime, don't set your alarm. Just when you get up, like when you wake up in the morning, 
just take the first five to ten minutes and pray a little bit as you lay in bed. Be like, God, thank you for sleep. Thank you that I have the most amazing parents on the earth, right, parents? Thank you that I have food to eat. Thank you that I have a place to sleep that's safe. Thank you that I have a hope, that I have a future. I have so much to thank God for. Take five or ten minutes. Adults, resist the evilness of the phone right in the morning. You just want to grab it. I still don't have it out of my bedroom. I should. I know I should, but I don't. It's right by my bed. It's charging right by my watch. And, man, I want to grab the thing. The arm goes off. I want to throw it, and then I want to grab it and look at it. Try to rein that in. And try to channel this quote from C.S. Lewis. The real problem of the Christian life comes where people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back. And listening to that other voice taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, and so on all day. Standing back from all of your natural fussings and frettings coming in out of the wind, we can only do it for moments at first, but from those moments, a new sort of life will be spreading through our system. Because now we are letting him work at the right part of us. It is the difference between paint, which is merely laid on the surface, and a dye or stain, which soaks right through. I want to encourage and challenge all of you this week. Let's spend some more time with the people that matter in our life the most starting with the most important, our Father. Adults, set the alarm back 10, 15 minutes. Just take 10, 15 minutes this week in the morning. Talk to your Father. Say, God, right now I choose you first. I'm beating back these wild animals. Facebook, not yet. News, not yet. I'm beating back email. I'm not turning the TV on. I'm not going to get distracted. 10, 15 minutes. And let the Spirit of God be like a stain, like die that starts to soak in on us like we're not people who just have Christianity like makeup on the outside of our face it's like a facade no no it's, it's in us it's who we are it's not just how we act it's who we are so join me in that this week 10-15 minutes putting God first putting people first choosing the right things first God, help us. Help us to realize today that we truly do have time in our life to do your will. Your will for us is to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. That is your will, and we have time for it. God, help us to move the urgent. Help us to calibrate and to shift and to be leaders in how we invest our time and our finances and our energy and to make sure that we are paying the closest attention to the important things in our life first. Putting you first, our family second. And our jobs and 
our careers and all the things that comes after that. God, help us to prioritize that today. Listen to me, my friends. The most important thing that you can walk out of here with today is a relationship with God. Jesus Christ did not come to this earth 2,000 years ago to start a religion. He came to this earth 2,000 years ago to start a relationship, to give us an opportunity to have a real relationship with a real God. The problem with us is that we were all born into a bill that we could never pay. I want you to think about the biggest bill that you've ever gotten your whole life. Multiply it by a trillion. We were all born with the bill of sin in our life. We were born into mistakes. We were born into this place where we have decided to do things that have hurt the heart of God. And Jesus loves us so much. God loved you so much that he proved it by sending his one and only son, Jesus, to this earth to die and to pay the bill that we could never pay with his own life. That's the gospel. And he laid his perfect life down on the cross. He paid for my bill, your bill, my mistakes, your mistakes. He paid for that sin with his own body. They peeled him off of that tree and they put him into a tomb. He laid there dead for one day, two days. But on the third day, God miraculously brought him back to life and he is alive. Jesus is alive. And he has a plan for your life. And it's for you to know him. To know him. Not just know about him, but to know him. How do we do it? The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity to start that relationship now. If you're here today and you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the leader of your life, pray this with me right now out loud. Say, Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I am making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.